Welcome back, everybody, to the Business Bullseye. I'm TJ Reed, joined by Seth Stone. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm good, TJ. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Uh, we're heading towards the new year as we're recording this, and always, uh, from our last episode, always trying to find fresh vision and purpose for the coming year, what I'm going to do, as well as starting it now, which was a, a hack I learned a few years ago, I guess. <laughs> Smart move. So let me ask you a question. What would, um, you know, you always ask me how I'm doing. Like, what if I said I was doing really crappy? I would, I would listen. I think that's one of the things that I've learned is empathy. <laughs> we, we, we might, we might cut it from the podcast if you're just having a moment, but uh, yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> I'm not though, just to be clear. I'm not, I'm not, I'm good today. That's good. That's good. What are uh, what are some of the holiday traditions you have that uh, you enjoy this time of year? Um, generally, staying out of the cold. Um, but no, seriously, I uh, I don't. It's not like a holiday tradition, but the the first time the first time we get like a heavy snow, um, I always take my dogs for a walk at night because they love both of them. Like love the snow. They just try and eat it the whole time. Um, they're um they're little hound mixes so um yeah they're always trying to smell stuff but that's that's one thing and then uh you know it's always uh christmas with my with my family i mean it's just um kind of a continuously evolving tradition but just something i look forward to it's the just the the quietness of it all i think that's probably you know yeah. just that time to reflect on the meaning of it and and uh and and just be able to celebrate that time with the people you love is that's uh, you know aside from the weather i mean it's it's like perfect you know i just love it how about you everything kind of slows down a little bit yeah it's nice i i was sharing with you we, we started a new tradition last year it was actually right after the holidays but we do as a family now what we call the month of love where we go from martin luther king weekend to valentine's day and we do an act of service once a week as a family. Uh, we uh, we think about and write letters to the um, charities and other groups that we support. And it just, it gives us something to kind of look forward to in the early part of winter. Cause I don't know about you, but that is like one of the most depressing times of the year to me. And so uh, finding some purpose in that time was really important to me. And that, that's something that we're now gonna make uh, something for our family each year. And we we just, we loved doing it last year and we're doing it again this year. So it's kind of a new tradition that we started. I like that. I really do. I think that's, I think that's cool. Um, I would imagine that can be pretty impactful too. Our, our daughter still talks about it, right? Like um, each, like the ones that we did last year, she was asking, when are we going to do it again this year? And so um, there's a great group we support called Tidewater Friends of Foster Care, and we help them to clean up their closet from all the Christmas gifts and get birthday gifts ready for kids. And so uh, what, a, what a cool thing to teach a, a then six-year-old, now seven-year-old um, about giving back to others. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, you know, maybe maybe by the time we talk next year, um, I'll be talking about my newest tradition that I'm hoping for, which is like the month of travel to warm weather after the holidays that's that's, that's a, a goal <laughs> that's a that's a goal of a tradition i'd like to incorporate um but uh not so not so in 2024 oh well i'll sit here and freeze 
you'll you'll get there. You'll get there. Just... Was, but I'm, maybe I won't, but that's okay. It helps me to think about it. Okay. <laughs> when it's gonna be when it's gonna be dark in like three hours, you know, um, and I just had lunch. Uh, yeah, 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 it'll help me. It'll help me a little bit. Just kind of paint that vision for myself, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, so today we're we're diving into another really interesting topic. I really like this one. And I'm excited to talk to you about it and get your thoughts on it, but. The statement that we want to hear your bullseye or BS call on is leaders are born, not made. The statement is leaders are born, not made. Seth, is that a bullseye or a BS statement? That's some of the worst BS I've ever heard. <laughs> Talk more about that. Oh, man, I'm going to eat up all of our time. Um, well, I just I mean, there's there's a lot there. I, I this idea that um all right. So so the whole concept of, of leaders being born goes back to the early part of the 20th century and the great man theory. Right. Uh, literally the great man theory um, to, to just to talk about how arcane that concept is. Yeah. Um, and most of the leadership research from the 20th century was focused on this idea that leaders are born, not made. And, and you had researchers and scholars and psychologists and psychiatrists who are you know, looking at what characteristics, what innate traits of a human being make a great leader. Um, and it really wasn't until, I don't know, I want to say like the 70s, that that people started even exploring the idea that, that, that you know, people could learn and grow and develop um, either new skills or underlying uh, unexercised skills that they had, right. Um, to become better. And so, you know, I think there's a lot there and we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, I just, I think the theory, the idea that leaders are simply born and that's it. And they have a leg up in the world and, you know, they're going to be great. And the people who aren't born leaders, well, they're just going to, you know, kind of report to all the leaders and, and that's that's their lot in life. Um, I just think it's a very antiquated way of thinking. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking more about it because obviously I care about it. So what do you think? I'm, I'm going to, so I'm going to maybe surprise you a little bit. I'm going to fall a little bit in the middle, but also lean a little bit towards that leaders are born. And the reason that, the reason I'm saying that, and I think we'll have to define this as we go through, is partly due to what you said about some of those arcane rules, because I think even today, but certainly in the past, depending on if you were born male instead of female, depending on where you were born, which country you want to lead, things like that. Like, I think that definitely leaders being born and having some characteristics have led to people just being leaders in their, in their culture and what they do. And so I think that I think that some of that does play into it, but I also believe that there, there may be some wiring and it can come back to the debate of nature versus nurture, but um, I think there may be some wiring in people that causes them to be a little bit more charismatic um, or have, have something that makes them stand out from other people in the way that they lead. And so I probably a good question is like, when you say leader, is it leading an organization where in our last podcast, you said that, you know, it needs to be a compelling storyteller that's sharing the vision from the top, right? Um, if so, I think that some of that really is 
does get wired in from a very young age, whether that's nature or nurture, I don't know, but I think uh, we could talk a little bit more about that. So that's where I'm leaning towards the leaders are born side, but I also 100% believe that you can help train people and get them to a point where they can be a compelling leader um, in an organization too, so. All right, so. How's that, how's that for a, no, not a non-answer? <laughs> no, you answered, you answered. Uh, it was, and it's good. I mean, it makes sense, everything you're saying. So let's let's get right into it. I mean, you said charisma, right? Um, and I mean, I agree with you. Some people are born charismatic. I, 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 in fact, I don't think charisma is necessarily one of those things you learn, or at least if you do learn it, the needle doesn't move too far um from you know whatever your innate personality trait is right um some people are just naturally charismatic other people are naturally um not uh i was gonna use a less nice word but just not um and you know that's okay but you know so the the, the question is a question not the question a question is you know, does charisma make you a good leader? I mean, sure, you, you know, you may be able to tell a good story. You may be able to um, sell a compelling vision. Um, but if you have no real skills behind that, um, no tangible skills, no strategic expertise, no way to execute on that, um, you know, no way to to plan and, and um, yeah, strategize. Um, is your charisma anything more than just a house of cards? Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, that's, 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 I guess there's a jumping off point for us. Yeah. I, you know, you could easily have a, a deviant person lead an organization just because they're charismatic. And I think, yeah, like what you're saying, if you, uh, my, my college president and undergrad, he, uh, if anybody's listening and they know that this guy, um, his name was Don Meyer. And he would always say uh, every week he would say in his voice, he'd say charisma, without character leads to catastrophe. And he would always remind us about that. And uh, I, I, I think I agree with you there, Seth. I think that it can be something that's a useful tool that's that's not always easily cultivated in people, but I think it's gotta be married to something else for it to be a good ingredient in a leader. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, so, you know, here's the other thing that I think one of the things that when you and I've talked about this, this sort of adds to this conversation or, or debate, if you will, but really the way popular press treats leaders, right? Um, kind of on a pedestal, definitely in the spotlight, very much um, in this, in this time that we live in um, it's sort of this roller coaster ride of, of you're, you're on the top or you're, you know, on the bottom, right? Um, it's it's feast or famine. Um, usually, that well, it's certainly any of the leaders that are just kind of going like nice and steady, even keel, are not the ones getting the press. It's either the ones who are just crushing it or the ones who are totally failing, right? Those are the ones who, who get our attention and our coverage. And it's it's very focused on this one person. And it's it's very focused on the type of person that they are, and um you know, a lot of the anecdotal things that can be picked up by the media, right? Um, One-off stories from former employees, so-and-so is amazing because they do X, uh, or so-and-so is a terrible leader because, you know, they used to, um, you know, shame me and this, that, or the other way, like uh, at, at lunch, you know, whatever. Um, 
and and so we we perpetuated this thing where it's like there's there's this focus on who the leader is and and what kind of person they are and so um I think naturally that sort of gravitates and I'm not saying that's unwarranted by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying that's unwarranted. I'm not saying that's unfair. None of that. What I am saying is I think it, it, it tends to pull our minds or toward this idea of gosh, who is this person at their core? Right. And, and certainly they, they were quote unquote born this way, or that's their personality. That's what makes them the kind of leader they are. And, and I think that's a big reason why this whole argument even still holds water in a lot of circles that leaders are born, not made. Yeah, I would, what I'm hearing from what you're saying there is like, it comes down to this issue of trust, right? Like for a person to be a leader, it requires that someone else trust them to be that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me ask, so let me ask you this. Have you ever trusted someone that turned out to not be trustworthy? Yes. <laughs> I think, we all, I think we all have, right? We yeah. all have. Um, I think I've had times in my life where I wasn't trustworthy, you know? Um, I'm not proud of that, but I think I did. I, you know, I could probably look, I, I, I'm not like actively thinking about it in the moment, but I'm fairly confident I can come up with times where I probably wasn't. Um, 100%. So I've, I've, I've dropped the ball as a leader and I'm just like, if I get the opportunity, I apologize to those people if I see them in the in the future, but absolutely like it, it back to your point about the 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 CEOs and the leaders that kind of become this lightning rod i also want to make sure that like people aren't just completely written off everything that they've done because of one moment in their life either we're we're not all the sum of our worst moment right <laughs> like in life if if there's a pattern 100%, there should be a little bit more scrutiny into that. But I think that, like you said, we've all made mistakes, some of us on larger scales than others when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, there are, and we have the great leaders, right? You know, and the, and and we're able to kind of look past some of their shortcomings, right? That Like, it's pretty easy, actually. Um I was going to make an, an example, but I, I don't think that's very nice to do. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but, you know, I mean, literal, real significant failures, right? Public failures. Sure. Um, but, you know, because history has been kind to them on a larger scale, we tend to look past those things. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. I mean, it's just part of it. But that's. You know, you say, oh, that's that's part of who they were. And and there's so much being attributed to who the person is, right? Who the person is, who their what their character is and what their intentions were and blah, 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 blah. All of this stuff that's kind of traced back to, you know, who, you know, how, how are you wired? You know, what's what's in your DNA that makes you you? Um, and, you know, all those things are are they're they're relevant, right? Um, if you're generally a not engaging person it's going to be harder for you to compel people to follow you. That's just a fact of life. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's not an unfortunate fact of life. Maybe you don't want that. Maybe that's not how you're wired. Maybe that's not your aspiration, you know, um, you know, whatever. Um, that's okay. This isn't, none of this is a judgment, right? I want to be clear about that. None of this is a judgment one way or the other. Um, Although if you think leaders were born, you're stupid. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, um, I just don't think we spend, we give enough attention to the development side of, of growing people. Right. Um, and it's, it it show, it bears out in the corporate space. Right. Um, I think a lot of companies, when times are good, they pride themselves on, on their training and development, right. Pouring back into their people, um, making people their best selves, quote unquote. But you know, when the economy gets tough, what's the first line item that gets cut in the budget? Yeah. Staff development, boom, gone, gone. Um, that's usually the first step before people start getting fired, right? right? Um, so, you know, is that a priority? Uh, I don't think so, right? Um, it's a, it's a priority when it's convenient to be a priority, but it's not really a priority. Um, and I think I, that's why we we get lost with it a lot. I was going to say, like, I, I I read an article recently. I can't remember if it was eighty two percent or eighty six percent of people that are in management or leadership roles said that they never had any official training in it before they were asked to assume that role. They were just good at their job. And so somebody put them to the next level and now they're leading people. And so that plays to your point of like, and and honestly, that crushes me on the inside because I love seeing young people, young leaders developed and growing into that. Because if you don't do that, man, like it's, it's so much easier if you can help people to have little failures before it becomes spectacular um, in like, in their leadership role. And so giving people more opportunities for that, I think is so important. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, and, and, and really being strategic about it. Um, you know, I can actually a really practical example of this. Um, just, just, uh, I don't know, was it last week maybe? Um, yeah, very recently. Anyway, I, I interviewed to be on the board of directors of a local credit union. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was meeting with their committee and, and they sort of have this process where you come in and you do at least one one year term of and, and you're called an associate board member. And um, it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 60, everybody has to go through this pathway. Um, and they designed it very intentionally because they're like, look, we're a multi-billion dollar business that also happens to be a not-for-profit we have hundreds and hundreds of employees um you know um we can't just we have to we have to build trust and 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 we have to understand what people's skills are and there's going to be room for people to come in and learn and grow and develop uh so that by the time you know we give them sort of the some of the rights and privileges that come with a more a larger seat at the board right um you know, they're prepared. And, and I think, I think to me, you know, they asked me if I was offended by that. And I said, no, actually, I think that's, that's really wise. I I think, I think more companies should adopt, you know, philosophies like this, not just with the board of directors, but in, in other, in other ways too, you know, really taking that time to, to recruit people um, and then intentionally have means by which you cultivate them and, and, and groom them. Um, so that they're ready. They're ready when their time comes, right? When they, when you call their name, they are ready. Um, and, and to your point, usually that's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's like that John Wood quote, when the opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare, but too often we we put people in those roles. Um, I, I believe in it. Like we, 
our leadership development program was six months and we made sure that they got to interact with leaders across the board from across the company as part of that uh, interaction with peers so that you could actually feel free to share challenges that you're facing as a young leader or somebody about to step into leadership. It's just, it's, it's so important, like you're saying, like to trust that that person is going to be okay in that because you can't, I, I, I won't say you can't, it's really hard to fake crazy over a long period of time. Yes, it is. <laughs> so It is. It's not, it's not that hard to do for a short period of time. Right. Like right. even like, even like a year or two, you can get away with it. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have any like real, I don't have like hard evidence to back that up. Like anything that's percolating right now is just anecdotal and not really relevant. So, um, and I'm probably biased with that anyway. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that's not something you can fake um, for an extended period of time. Um, but, you know, I, the, the pushback, I don't know about you, but the pushback I've gotten in, in a lot of my consulting work when it comes to, you know, people development is what if I, what if I put this investment into this person, you know, what if I send them and they're talking, they're just talking about something as menial as sending them to a conference, like, you know, two grand or something like that. And I'm like sitting here like, Oh my gosh, you're pulling your hair out over like 2000 bucks. Um, but you know, whatever the situation is, what if I invest in them for, and then they leave. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest pushback piece I get. I don't know about you. That's crazy. I, I mean, I would answer them with what Richard Branson says. What if you don't and they stay? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, but but I, I think something important there, too. Um, if you invest in somebody, you've built somebody that cares about you. Right. Like that that has a connection to you that can't be taken away, even if they leave. There's a connection there that, that that can happen. It might hamper you in the short term with your business, but I feel like there, we, there's there got to be a spirit of generosity in anything that we do with people that are part of our organizations. But also add to that the fact of like over the last couple of years with the great resignation, the idea that there's a lot of boomerang employees, people that come back because they realize that the grass actually wasn't greener. So Man, if if somebody leaves and just kind of goes, it was actually really great here, and they leave and they come back, awesome. You've regained that employee. But even if they leave and get better, that should be our hope is that everybody that we we build into and train takes it further down the field. Because if we're able to do that, I think even in our own organization, we get better and we learn more about how to build into people and develop them. So hopefully we get better so that the people coming in, it takes less time to get to that point and we can add more to that uh, over time. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, you know, an analogy I just I just thought of, I don't know if there are any, any people who like sports are listening to this or, or not, I guess this could fall flat, but I think baseball is the only sport where you can't, truly just make the jump from college to the pros, right? You need, you need this time of development or high school for that matter. Uh, you need this time of development. And so, you know, the major league baseball draft is 20 rounds now. So all other things aside um, that aren't worth getting into uh, any, any given team, the Yankees are going to draft 20 players, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to give a contract out to most of those players. They're going to put them through their development system, which costs a lot of time, uh, staff resources, um, 
and and those are just the tangible things. And there's so many intangibles that come with that. Out of those 20 players, maybe two will ever play yeah. in the Bronx. Maybe two, right? And that's every single year. Yeah. And you say, oh, well, they're the, the Yankees. They can afford it. Well, if they, if they said, hey, you know what? That's, that's just not an investment we want to make. So we're going to sit that draft out. And in fact, we're going to sit out every draft for the next twenty years. The Yankees wouldn't exist anymore, right? They, they, yeah. they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be a part. They, they there wouldn't be a thing, right? There, there's no you'd, product. You'd be, tra- you'd be trying to get fifty-year-olds to get back on the field because you're running out of players, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I mean, just this, this, these, so many excuses and 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 reasons for for not developing people or or, you know. Um, taking chances on someone and having it not work out and say, see, I told you, you know, um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, yeah. Cause that just causes you to not invest anymore. And that's usually where you die. Right. <laughs> In the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I think, you know, when, when we're talking about this idea of leaders born versus made, one of the things that I will say is, um you know going back to some of the points you made there are absolutely undoubtedly character attributes that will give you a leg up right like you'll be you'll be 20 feet ahead of me in the starting blocks right of life right that's that's a fact um but it doesn't mean you're always going to stay 20 feet ahead of me yeah um you might and you, who knows, you, you might get 50 feet ahead of me. I, I don't know. Um, but I think, I think if we, if we just use that as the benchmark, we're discounting people's ability to catch up. Yeah. Um, or, or the, the generosity of the person that's ahead actually choosing to, to run it alongside somebody else, even though they might be ahead. Sure. Yeah. That's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I um, when we're talking about the idea, I know we're we're getting close to time here, but like when we're talking about the idea of um, how we're born, how we're wired, things like that, I, I did I did want to share just a real practical thing that I came across this last year that was so helpful to me. Yeah, uh, there's this there's this guy that's this counselor. His name's Mike Foster, and he wrote this book called uh, The Seven Primal Questions. And uh, it it seems to be based around a little bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So there's seven different questions. And what he he posits in that book, and he he applies it to business, to life, to whatever that there are there, we're all driven by kind of one primal question in our life that's really been there from childhood or something like that, whether that's an unmet need or something like that. And um, we can scramble to try to meet that need when we don't feel like that question is being answered positively or affirmatively in us. Um, And then... Also, inversely, we can find kind of what we what he calls our primal gift from that that's developed from that question we've been trying to answer throughout our lives. And so um, I, I guess what I want to say from that is I would recommend that book. There's a quick online quiz you can do online because um, for me, it, it even just just this last year helped to open my eyes to so many of the ways that I responded both positively and negatively in my leadership in the past um, and, and just helped me to kind of go a little bit further in my journey of self-discovery and uh, becoming a better person. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. I think, you know, you hit on something pretty important there, this idea of self-discovery, right? Um, 
I think it ties very closely to self-awareness, right? Um, our own emotional intelligence, um, our own situational awareness. A lot of these things that we don't stop too often to take inventory of hmm. yeah. that are sort of requisite to lead anything like yourself, <laughs> literally. Um, and, and so I just, I, I think, I think that's a, admittedly something you know i i i have to really force myself to do um it doesn't come naturally i don't think it comes maybe it comes naturally for some people and good for them um i would love to hear about that but i don't think it comes naturally for most people right um it's sort of this like forced discipline right um because you look in the mirror and you don't always love what you see right um i mean i guess unless you're a narcissist then you always love what you see but um generally speaking like you know you you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Um, and I think that's that's normal. But you know, we have to sort of, um, you know, not in a self-deprecating way, but just be honest with ourselves, right? Um, you know, where where can I continue to thrive and and build on skills that I know are, are build on things, whether it's traits, skills, attributes, whatever, um, that are are really having a positive effect on myself, on on others, um, and and where are the places I can stand to grow, you know, and then and then you know once you once you feel comfortable in that in that discomfort, right? Because I, I think that's what it is. It's getting comfortable with the discomfort yeah. of that, um, which is like scary even to say sometimes, much less to actually do it. But once you can get comfortable in that space, um, then it's, you know, it's seeking feedback from other people. Like, is what I'm seeing about myself real? You yeah. know, and, and, and finding people that are going to be honest with you, right? Like not someone who relies who, on their paycheck uh, from you, right? Because they're not going to be truthful right. with you. Exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> they want to they keep their job. So, but, but people who will really be honest with you, give you like a good honest critique and then and then i think you know that's the that's the pathway to meaningful development right if you're if you're and if you're going to say from this i'm going to take some action steps somewhere right yeah absolutely um i i i'm thinking my mind my mind really went to the person that's maybe young in their career or young leader. And I guess what I would say to myself in my mid twenties, even when I was leading groups and teams at that point is I think I was afraid of being found out. Right. And I think we all still kind of have this like imposter syndrome that, that creeps up in times. Um, but, but I think the benefit of experience over time that you find out is you've, you've been able to find tools, hopefully, that have helped you and also recognize the pattern of when things are starting to, the crap starting to hit the fan, right? Like you start to recognize that and you need to do a little bit more of that. So I guess, I guess the reason I'm saying that is if, if you're kind of younger in your career, younger leader, I would say, don't be afraid of being found out, but, but find somebody you can trust to like talk through that stuff because finding the, the tools and the skills and the things like that at this point is what's going to really help you. And it's what's going to make you a trustworthy leader that people are going to want to follow in the future too. So, yeah, I, I like that. And um, you know, you touched on imposter syndrome, and and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe this is I want I want I want your feedback on this because maybe I'm just off the wall here, but um, I think I think a little tiny bit of imposter syndrome is like healthy. 
for sort of that like internal check and balance to say, do I have an ounce of humility left in my spirit, like in my body? Um, Because, you know, it would almost scare me a little bit if, if someone didn't at any, any moment, no matter what the circumstance didn't have even just a little bit of imposter syndrome creep up uh, in their mind. Um, Actually, I think that would scare the crap out of me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, just in, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is it fair to tie humility to that, to that concept? Uh, maybe I'm misusing it. Um, I don't know. I'm, this was totally off the cuff. I didn't plan to say any of this. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, a tiny, a smidge of that is healthy. Now take it to the opposite, take it to like the farthest extreme where it's like paralyzing. Uh, you're in like your own like psychic prison, right? Yeah. Um, that's not a good place to be. Um, so I'm not suggesting we go there, but, but, you know, just like a little, little something to kind of keep you in check to say like, do I actually know what the heck I'm doing? Um, I think, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think you can absolutely be one of those kind of plumb lines. I don't know if it's humility, but maybe it like keeps you in line with the integrity of yourself, right? Like that. That's, I like that. Yeah. That that's, that that's who you want to be and you know, how, how you're doing that, um, but I've also experienced the other side, uh, struggling with anxiety myself, and that being like a, a passenger in my car. Uh, I've, I've, I heard somebody say recently, anxiety is kind of like a, a helicopter flying over above, trying to find where it's going to land, and it just lands in inopportune places a lot of times if you let it run wild. And so um, that's what I'm thinking about when it comes to imposter syndrome. Those times where the helicopter landed and just wouldn't stop sometimes in those areas as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Um, what, what One of the ways I, I've, I've tried to combat that too, like with if others are out there that struggle with that anxiety of imposter syndrome is um, just positive affirmations and like kind of mantras that you re- repeat to yourself. For me, like I found it to be super corny when I started doing it, but now like every day in my journal, I'm writing it down and it's actually become a part of my psyche as a result of that. And it it does help to kind of not only I'm not just like lying to myself saying this stuff, but it also reminds me of like what I value and what I want to live in line with each day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. And, and listen, I want to be clear. Imposter syndrome is not something I, I am suggesting anyone aspire to. Um, <laughs> not, not by any stretch of the imagination. And, and maybe that was a, that maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm, I can't retract it because it's already been said, but I just think, I think we all need a way to keep ourselves in check, right? Like, am I, am I, you know, um, am I honoring what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really reluctant to use the word integrity because integrity, only thing integrity means is you do what you're saying you're going to do. Right. That's all it means. Um, you know, it it always makes me laugh and like, he has a lot of integrity, but how do you have a lot of integrity? It doesn't even make sense. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. Pet peeve of mine, I guess. But, um, yeah, just like, how, what are your, what are your, what measures do you have in place to check yourself? You know, um, yeah. and some people are naturally really good at that, I think. And some people, you know, need to kind of build that in for themselves too. Yeah. It, yeah. If you do it yourself or you have people that help you to do that, I think both are really, really helpful tools to do that. Any, yeah. any other, any other practical action points you'd give to folks on this topic of, of leadership? I would say figure out what kind of leader you are. Right. Whether you're actually in a leadership position or not. And um, I guess actually, let me say, if you don't ever aspire to be in a leadership position, then this is not going to be helpful. Um, But if you are either in a leadership position or you aspire to be in a leadership position, 
figure out what kind of leader you are. Um, and, and what I mean by that is actually understanding what your, what your, what leadership style you gravitate toward. Right. Um, and you might be listening to this saying, I, what do you mean leadership style? I, I don't know. I've never studied that. I, I didn't know there's multiple kinds. Um, yeah, there are. Right. And, you know, there's, 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 I don't know, we're probably up to about a dozen or so now accepted uh, theories on leadership and leadership styles. Right. Um, there's plenty of books out there about them. Um, some are a little more heady than others. Um, I'm not going to endorse one or, or versus another right now. And it's, not my responsibility uh and i would i would feel guilty if you didn't like it um but you know there's lots of ways to 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 see you know what kind of what kind of leader am i what where do i gravitate towards um you know do i desire to serve others is is that is putting the people who work for me who work for the organization is putting their best interests above everything else we do is that my singular motivation okay great then maybe, maybe you bend towards the side of servant leadership um, do you know how to cast a vision and take people along for the ride with you under any circumstance? Uh, you know, no matter how dire it looks or, or no matter if you're selling the most boring product in the world, I, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good chance you bend towards being a transformational leader. Right. Um, you know, and, and so on and so on and so on down the list. Um, I, I think that's a really good place to start because otherwise, otherwise any development, measures you take you know whether you you're starting with something as simple as a personality test like an mbti um which is an assessment i can't stand it but anyway um you're starting with something as simple as like an mbti right to, to kind of figure out who you are in this in this leadership landscape in this in this context or or perhaps uh, another type of um uh like a 360 type of assessment where other people are, you know, kind of gauging your leadership style. The thing that jumps off the top of my head there is leadership practices of Matori. Um, you know, there, there are, there are lots of things you can do to, to develop your leadership. Um, in fact, chances are your email gets inundated with it. Right. And you open up your LinkedIn feed. There's thousands of opportunities to jump on a webinar in a class or, you know, join a cohort of this or, um all right i'll get back to this in a second but what what is with this whole master class thing this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard <laughs> do you take master classes tj i don't i don't all right all right anyway it's it's like i i think it's dumb um but now i digress um so yeah so so just you know i i think you, there's so much information that we're being bombarded with, right? And there's so many different directions you could go to say, I'm going to, I'm going to develop this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna do that. But if you don't really know what kind of leader you are or what your style you gravitate towards, you're kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And and yeah. I don't think that's a good use of anybody's time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's really good. I think that's helpful. Like find out what type of a leader you are. And, you know, I, some of my action points were like, you know, how are you driven? What's that primal question you have and finding some of the accountability around you or within you that kind of keeps you in line with, with who you are. I think those are good so action where, points. Yeah, I do too. So where did we land born or made? I'm where still somewhere, land? I'm still somewhere in the middle. Um, I, but pragmatically, I believe that leaders can be made if people choose to want to be developed in that sort of a thing. And so um, ultimately, pragmatically, I believe that anybody can become a leader if they want to. 
leader of what probably varies differently based on their skill set. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. I like it. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not deviating much myself. I, I think it's, um, you know, I guess a couple of things I'll add that I didn't say at the onset are everyone has a leadership ceiling, right? Everybody does. I do, you do. Fact to life. We're not all going to be president of a Fortune 500 company. It's just not the way it works. Um, so, you know, we can develop leaders. Leaders can be made, right? But it, what's, you know, where do you get off the bus, so to speak, right? Because yep. uh, it's not an infinite, it's not an infinite thing. Um, it's not to say you can't learn and grow where you are where you, when you kind of reach that ceiling. But I think everyone has some sort of ceiling. Um, and I, and I, and I think it's important to acknowledge that um, certain personality and character traits that you're born with and get nurtured, um, especially through your formative years, will play a role in your leadership. Um, and that can be both positive and negative. Yep. Absolutely. So there we have M it. Millions of examples out there of both. So yes. Yes. Well, good. I, I appreciate the time today, Seth. Thank you for, um, the podcast. This, this is a good one. And I, I think there's a million more we could do around this topic of leadership. Um, but we'd love to hear feedback from our listeners, right? Yep. We love to hear feedback from our listeners. And I know that uh, Seth uh, agrees with that. And uh, we hope that next time you'll join us here on the Business Bullseye. Uh, and keep sending us your feedback at thebusinessbullseye at gmail.com. And we'll talk with you real soon.